The American Dental Association, ADA, owns and licenses the use of current dental terminology codes called CDT codes, which are a standardized set of codes used to describe dental procedures and services provided to patients. The CDT codes are used by dental insurance companies to process claims and reimburse dentists for services provided to patients. If the ADA leases those codes to third-party payers and the ADA receives a buttload of money from the insurance companies for the use of those CDT codes, is that not a conflict of interest? Speaking as a dentist who is a member of the ADA? We'll begin our podcast right there. Welcome, all of you fantastic dental podcast listeners to the My Practice My Business Dental Podcast Show, where we help dentists profit and thrive with excerpts from the clinical business of dentistry training here at My Practice My Business. We'll be addressing and answering questions with current trends dentists and their teams face each and every day in their pursuit of this wonderful career we call dentistry. And now the host of our show, the clinical director and president at My Practice My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. As most of you know, I've talked about this subject before, but today we're going to take a little deeper dive because uh, currently I think we need to. The for-profit side of the American Dental Association is called American Dental Association Business Enterprise, Inc., or ATABI for short. If you look up the financials of the American Dental Association, you can find them. If you look up the financials for Atabai, you will not find them because they are the corporate arm of the ADA, the for-profit side. For years, Tracy and I have attempted to get information as to how much the ADA receives from, from dental insurance plans and from software companies for the use of their CDT codes. And the closest that we have gotten was a managing representative from a major dental insurance company who semi-spilled the information. That dental insurance rep told us that they have to pay the ADA a set fee per user. No, not a set fee for the dental insurance company for the use of the CDT codes. Oh, no. It's on a per diem, per dental insurance client basis. Granted, It's like a penny per user or a fraction of one, but with millions of dental insurance clients, it was in the tune of seven digits per year this dental insurance company had to pay the ADA, his words, not ours. The ADA's leasing of CDT codes to dental insurance companies has been a subject of controversy and criticism in the dental community for years and years, yet the large majority of dentists nationwide have no idea the ADA has a fiduciary interest with the dental insurance companies. Some argue that the ADA's licensing of CDT codes to dental insurance companies gives those third-party payers too much control over dental procedures and reimbursement rates, which can lead to decreased reimbursement rates for you and I and potentially lower quality care for patients. Wow, we're shocked. Can't believe we've even said that. So I'm here to verify that this argument is actually factual, and all of us need to hold the ADA accountable as to who they want to be, in my opinion. Do they want to be an association that has dentistry at the forefront of quality delivery for patients' oral health care, or do they want to allow dental insurance companies to determine clinically accepted dental practice standards? We might ask ourselves this question, what direction does the ADA really want dentistry to go? 
I've been asking myself that question for a long time. I love how the dental insurance companies defend their consulting dentists who are on their board working for their company. You know, the ones that we have to deal with whenever we uh, uh, protest a uh, lack of payment, right? I'm dumbfounded at the level of experience or lack thereof on these consulting dentist curriculum vitae. I'm calling them out right now. For example, Delta Dental of Washington has a dentist that is their main consultant with a resume consisting of three years of working for the government and two years of working for corporate dentistry. Sorry, buddy, that doesn't fly with me. Another Delta Dental in the Midwest has a dental school dropout who picked up a business degree calling the shots for their organization. Select Health here in Utah has a dental assistant of 14 years making decisions that affect patient care. Anybody seeing a potential problem here? (laughs) Not one of these. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm only naming three. I mean, believe me, Tracy and I have worked with uh, uh, all kinds of insurance companies. We've got on three-way calls with our clients. And our clients are are shocked when they learn the level of of uh, experience and expertise that these individuals are 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 exercising, calling the shots on the the care that we're delivering. They have no business calling it. Not one of these individuals ever cut a paycheck or hired and fired dental team members as an owner. They have never felt the pressure of an owner dentist who is trying to run a business or satisfy patients and employees, uh, uh, both uh, in procedures and uh, paychecks, and, and taking the stress home with them every day. No, they haven't done any of that. I believe this is a major problem. As these individuals are calling the shots of patient care, why do I bring this up? It's simple. Wouldn't one believe the ADA would have or want to have a say with this rampant problem regarding the decreased quality care dental plans are attempting to make us deliver with their policies and protocols? Now, I know the ADA is doing some stuff, but uh, I'm just not seeing it in the ADA news. Let me let me be example. A, do any of you out there uh, in uh, podcast land take the ADA morning huddle or how about the ADA news? And I know some of you aren't even ADA members and you've expressed your, your statements as to why you're not. And I completely understand your decision to not be a member, especially when you uh, constantly see articles like this. Number one, uh, Michigan expands Medicaid dental coverage. <laughs> of, of course you would expect such a Liberal state expanding government coverage to individuals who are perfectly capable of working for what they get, but who have learned to work the system and take needed funds away from individuals who actually need the help. Again, what does this actually do for the large majority of dentists on the front line? Ah, not a lot, because most dentists don't take Medicare, Medicaid, right? Number two. Five states begin removing people from Medicaid. <laughs> so you got one promoting, one, five states uh, removing people from Medicaid. The article showed extreme concern because people might not know they're losing their coverage. Good for these states to get people back to work post-pandemic. Oh, Rob, you're so hard on people. Yep, I am. You know, pe- there are people out there that need our help, and then there are people out there who need to get back to work. Three, study finds no link between bruxism and mortality. Oh my God. 
I wonder how, how much grant money they got to do that research. Did they actually look at dentists who are in private practice and have to deal with the, the BS that PPO plans do to them and their front office team members? There might be a correlation there between uh, bruxism and mortality. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Number four, stroke in younger people tied to risk of cancer diagnosis. Study links relative fat mass to type 2 diabetes risk, and study links met Mediterranean low-fat diets to lower mortality risks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not being uh, kind enough. That Those three articles are great. I think they... I think I'm being fat-shamed. That's what they're telling me, to stop eating so much. Thank you. I agree. If I'm overweight, I own it. Uh Maybe we need to get out and walk more and eat healthier, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that that point four is common sense, but I could be wrong. Number five, we are paying an economic penalty for oral health issues in America. <laughs> wow, okay, an economic penalty. Is that like a hockey penalty box thing? Or Did the author mention dental insurance companies decreasing the delivery of oral health care with their ever-changing policies that increase their bottom line? Nope. I didn't read that in that article. So weird. Number six, FDA to require opioid makers to provide mail-back envelopes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I, you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I haven't. I, I honestly think I've prescribed opioids once in the last three to five years. I mean, I'd, I'd have to pull a report. Uh, there are so many other modalities that could be used to control pain. And uh, I... And, and then I kind of wonder where those envelopes are going to end up. I don't know. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I, I, it's going to control those envelopes. I'm just curious. I mean, uh, crappier things have happened. It's like, how about we just learn how to control pain without opioids? And uh, it, it, it's not hard to do. There's a lot of easy ways to do it. That's some of the things we train in our team training, how to how to control pain without having to prescribe opioids. Seven, uh, other states considering identical medical loss ratio bills. <laughs> God, don't even get me started on this one, folks. They've already got their workaround on this one, okay? The medical loss ratio. And I'm going to ask you guys, I mean, okay, so you know that I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, in, dental insurance companies are not my favorite things to work with in life, like the rest of you, okay? But I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Oh, don't throw things at me. Don't send me hate mail, okay? But put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. How would you like the federal government telling you what profit margins you can have in your dental practice? Think that one through. I mean, there are other ways to be paid more fairly for what we do than uh, the medical loss ratio. I, I'm so... I. I'm just kind of glad our state legislatures are against it. I, too, am against it. So the dental insurance companies are already a, a, attempting the attempting it, some, sometimes succeeding, and, and you hate it, right? Like the uh, um, the, the workaround. They, are, they already know this. They know how to, to work around this law. They're super smart. They got a lot of attorneys, and they it's just like so dumb. Uh, anyway, suffice it to say, I... I didn't see one article in regards to dealing with third-party payers with, with real-life answers. <laughs> in fact, if you call the ADA on such topics, uh, you're, you're often going to get a response stating that the ADA cannot get involved with contracts 
relating to third-party payers. They just flat out tell you that. They'll refer you to the ADA's hotline on dental plan advisory peeps, but they tend to give the generic responses too. So now I'm going to uh, I'm going to say what everyone is thinking. The ADA sure loves getting involved with third-party payers when it comes to financial gains for their for the ADA or Adabai. And there I've there've been some strong leaders within the ADA who have actually challenged the status quo of burying those their heads in the sand, but where are they? How come they're not actively uh, addressing this? I'll get into this a little bit more. Shouldn't the fight, the the real fight against dental insurance companies be more constant in reporting on the ADA morning huddle or the ADA news than Medicare Medicaid coverage again for the 50th time or medical loss ratios or somebody got a grant to uh, see if uh, Drosophila melanogaster uh, have teeth or I don't know, God. <laughs> Or on the ADA's radar and attack plans, more than continued dental platitudes of McCarran-Ferguson acts being overturned and more Medicaid coverage. And did I mention more Medicaid coverage? <laughs> Where are the principles of the ADA in defending the quality of oral health care that dental insurance companies are trying to control? I mean, why isn't it out there? Why Isn't Delta Dental being sued for decreasing the quality of oral health care in California? Yes, they are. And the ADA got involved with Washington State in 2020 and more recently in California. But where are those news reports? Where do they stand? I mean, what's the updates on them? Why aren't we getting updates on this? And what else can be done in the fight on a local level? These should be in the top three headlines each and every month at a minimum. On the other hand, the ADA argues that licensing the use of CDT codes to dental insurance companies helps to standardize dental coding and reimbursement procedures, which uh, can benefit both dentists and patients. And by using that standardized set of codes, dental insurance companies can more efficiently process claims and dentists can more easily communicate the services they provide to patients. Again, this is called finding a solution to a problem that hasn't existed in over 40 years. You know, it, it, it would be nice for someone from the ADA to be talking about processing dental procedures with dental teams, more specifically our front office team members, when EOBs state things like downcoding and bundling and non-billable and non-payable and inclusive and every other bullshit term, they change on the contract you thought you signed. And not just talking about it, but actually battling these PPO policies that negatively affect our patients, let alone all of us dentists. Why are some states passing laws that prevent dental insurance companies from doing this crap and other states don't? Why, and here's my key, why what I just said right now, why is that so fragmented? Why doesn't the ADA have an easily accessible webpage dedicated to showing laws that are passed in other states and encouraging state association executives uh, or dues-paying members like you and I, even financially supporting them to pass similar or exact laws in their states. Heaven knows the ADA has the funds to do so. Maybe membership would jump if they started doing things like that that benefit all of us on the front lines. Another criticism of the ADA's licensing of CDT codes to dental insurance companies is that it may limit the ability of dentists to innovate and develop new procedures and services. We call this offering value-added services to patients. 
And those said services that do not fill the CDT code, someone at the ADA got this definition right. Let me semi-quote it to you. I'm going to do my best. It states this. At the time of deliver, the dentist would determine, using the full CDT code entry, as well as the classification materials, which code is appropriate for documenting the procedure delivered. A decision to bill for enhancements, example materials, metal, price of gold, etc., is a business decision that is not supported by the CDT code. End of quote. For example, does an electric toothbrush have a CDT code? No. You create a code for that product. What a concept. So some argue that the use of standardized codes can create a one-size-fits-all approach to dental care, which may not be optimal for all patients. But what it really means is dentists are creating codes to reflect services that are offered directly to the patient and having the patient pay them directly for better materials, medications, technology, procedures that don't fit the code. The ADA wants to expand the CDT codes with modifiers that will identify those types of services. Nothing would be more detrimental to dentistry than for this to happen. Not because it's not a good idea to be more specific on procedures with codes and clinical notes, but because it will give dental insurance companies the ability to force us to write off even more services that have greater cost of goods or greater direct operating costs and force us, no, actually compel us to use the cheapest shit on, out there on our PPO patients, which is what most dentists are currently doing right now on their insured patients instead of offering choice where choice exists for those more expensive products and services. Right in the uh, insurance contracts, more specifically Delta Dental, they state that their reimbursement rates are for the least expensive way to do a procedure. What a, does anybody read those contracts? Like we pour over them each, each and every week. So overall, the ADA's licensing of CDT codes to the dental insurance companies, it's a complex issue with arguments on both sides. I've heard them both. But while the standardization of dental coding and reimbursement procedures can be beneficial, it is important to consider the potential impact on reimbursement rates and quality of care for our patients. I hope all of you listening to this podcast will actually get involved with your state associations. Pay your dues, get involved, and speak up to these issues. Do your homework on what you've just heard. And use that thought leadership to move dentistry in a direction that cares for our patients while helping you, Doc, be profitable within your dental practice for those services that you provide. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Y'all have a great, fantastic day. Thank you for being with us today. Since 2006, My Practice, My Business has been teaching dentists and their teams business skills, dental insurance contractual protocols, and state laws governing how to profitably bill patients fairly for the need-based services they provide. What's more, we guarantee our training, unlike other dental consulting companies in the industry. Simply stated, if you don't increase your net revenue, we don't get paid. We call it dental consulting the way it should be. We believe there's never been a more important time than now for dentists to experience and implement our key methods, knowledge, and business training within their dental practices. To learn more about our guaranteed, 
no-risk clinical business of dentistry training that is changing dental practices for the better, just go to our website, mypracticemybusiness.com, and surf our pages for additional information about our company and the services we provide. When you're ready, give us a call and get scheduled for the most profitable dental business training that you will ever experience. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. Thank you again and have a fantastic day.